0: And thus begins an episode of Be about the Meridian fan club, The Web. I'm Paul Rose and I'm here with my wife, Sanya, as always.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Why afternoon? We've re- Firstly, we're recording this in the morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Secondly, it tends to go up in the morning. Thirdly, people can listen to it at literally any time of the day. And yet you've chosen to say good afternoon. That's interesting. No, you got nothing to say I've for yourself. I've got nothing to
1: say to that. Good, often, good afternoon to those few people who've chosen to listen to this in the afternoon.
0: Yeah. Good to morning and good the,
1: evening to the rest. Oh,
0: I thought you were going to say to the rest, of you get stuffed. <laughs> this is an afternoon podcast only. Yeah. So this week, we are indeed talking about the Web Fan Club, which has been part of the Meridian story since, well, February 1982, which is when the first issue of the Web So came almost
1: out. exactly...
0: Do the maths, do the maths. Would you say
1: 1982
0: or 92? 80, 82.
1: 40 years, 39 years, but almost 40 years next year. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really convolute. I'm going to say that again.
0: No, no, you've said it. It's too late. It's too late. we got to move on.
1: You can, oh, okay. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so I was going to do this episode in two parts. One part was going to be an interview with Fraser Marshall, who works on the current version of the web. However, my plans for part one were slightly thrown into disarray by Fraser himself, because I was going to talk about the history of the web. But Fraser did such a brilliant job of it. I just thought, fine, just let him do it.
1: He (laughs) is the expert.
0: He is the expert on the web.
1: Yeah, so it's only fair that he does it.
0: Yes. But what I will do is we'll take a quick look before we talk to Fraser. We'll take a quick look at some of those early versions of the magazine. Exciting. So, So... 1982 February was the first one. Uh,
1: Thirty-nine years ago.
0: Yes, we've established that. Thank you. Again. I hope
1: no one's listening to this in like two, <laughs> 2020. I thought you were
0: going to say, "I hope no one's listening to this." It's awful. <laughs> no one's <laughs> listening really to listening like
1: 2028 and going, "They got their maths wrong."
0: Okay, do you want to tell them what year it is?
1: Currently, as it stands, we're in 2021.
0: Right there, we go. Now the podcast is perennial; it's it's forever. <laughs> you fixed it. So it, the the magazine back in those days, in terms of the content, it hasn't changed enormously. Uh, it's still there are still puzzles such as like you know crosswords and word searches and stuff like that. Right. Uh, interviews with the band, reviews of gigs, often back then which is what's different from today they would have cuttings from magazines that the band were featured in which was oh,
1: right that's cool
0: um, they also printed lyrics handwritten the, I mean the first the first one was completely handwritten <gasps> the whole magazine yeah apart from the bits that were sort of cut out.
1: Wow! Yeah. Do you have that? Do you have that? I well, be- I
0: don't. I should say um, I, I got these off of as uh, a really good website called Meridian Setlists 1980 to 88. Uh, the, the the address is uh, www obviously moraine m o r a i n dot which basically lists all the Meridian setlists for wow the fish year of the band. But, yeah, he also has on there the uh, the first seven issues of the web. Oh, you wow. Because you did get a few. I've got a whole bunch, which um. we will take a look at at some point. Because I, I picked up some from around the era that, that fished F. Because I was just curious to see how the web covered it. Mm. Um, and, you know, how they introduced the new boy, that sort of thing. Mm. And I also picked up a bunch. Even though I've been a member for, I don't know, probably nigh on 20 years or so. I, I wanted to pick up, I haven't, you know, I'm not a collector, as my wife will attest.
1: Definitely not. <laughs> you collect, you just don't. Display. You don't display or.
0: Look after. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say it. I don't look after my things. <laughs> anyway, uh, I, so I don't have back issues. I haven't kept them, which I wish I had now, because I went and picked up some from uh, the noughties. uh Great three-part interview which I think I've mentioned with Dave Meegan, where I learned a lot of stuff that that I didn't know or did know and had forgotten so uh, so let's look uh, to issue one um there's a, a bit, of, bit of blurb from uh, uh, as an intro this newsletter was designed as a means of expression for both the band and more importantly you underlined because it was uh, it's always been the web has always been very closely aligned with the band Mm-hmm. It's never been a sort of independent organisation, if you like. Uh, the band have always been involved with it, even though it's been run by, you know, volunteers. Uh, and the other web fan clubs around the world are less, as Fraser will explain in a bit, are less kind of closely aligned with Marillion, the organisation. The UK version is very much like an official fan club,
1: Ah, do you know who who was the founder of it?
0: Fraser, we'll get into all oh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So this obviously was pre the band getting a record deal.
1: Wow.
0: So the first, yeah, the first issue has the lyrics of Garden Party in there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it's got a cutting from Sounds magazine of a famous review, which had the headline, A Return to Caftans and Loon Pants which
1: do you know what that refers to
0: yes hippie clothes uh, what's, what's that got to do
1: with Marillion?
0: well they used to dress like that they, they did to... you've seen the pictures of Fish in his
1: I've seen him in tartan suits you've
0: seen Fish on recital to the script with his weird pyjamas with the eye on and the rest of the band wearing their long robes with eyes on the back oh let's have some Hawkeye in the Marillion. <laughs> Yeah, they were seen as hippies.
1: Wow. Yeah,
0: long hair. At a time when everyone was everyone else was, you know, dressing. You either had, at my school, you either had people dressing like madness in the specials or very light versions of new romantics. So, yeah. You know. At school. Oh my God. The hair. I wish. There, was no, there were no I wish boys we had wearing that makeup. At school. But, you know, they'd wear. Yeah, there was a bit of flair going on.
1: Did you have flair? No. You didn't have a quiff or anything.
0: You've got the hair for it. I don't. I have a hair my hair. It's not I'm what sorry? people are tuning in for. My hair. I can't do anything with it. I just have to leave it. <laughs> okay. I just leave it. it.
1: sounds like it's got its own personality. It does.
0: <laughs> it controls me. <laughs> but it's not hairs. They're intergalactic space worms. Okay. Too, <laughs> Too weird for this podcast. Uh, so... Um... So he's got a biography of the band, Mm -hmm. uh, which is interesting because I guess for a lot of people, this was their first time reading about what the deal was with the band. Has tour dates, live dates in there. Mm. So issue two came out the following month, March. I have to say, I should have asked. I'm not sure how people got hold of this. I think they they could write off for it. I've got a feeling Fish may have mailed them out himself. <laughs> oh, wow. that was. Yeah, he was very hands on. That's
1: dedicated. Yeah.
0: So, issue two, big upgrade in production values, fully typed <laughs> on a typewriter. Wow. Yeah.
1: And then photocopied.
0: Yeah. Um, so, a bit of news at the beginning, uh, live review. I mean, it had pictures in there. You've got an absolutely horrible uh, gig guide <laughs> just, just all over the place it? it's handwritten and it's just yeah you know, i don't know how you're meant to follow it but anyway um,
1: that looks like uh, a school newsletter yeah
0: well yeah it has very much that vibe of a school newspaper you know mm-hmm. that kind of photocopied thing so this is the saliva tears tour era which if you remember was their first big tour prior to signing a bit more news mainly about gigs uh Live review. Um, so the next one came out in May, which starts Hello Petals. So it's not every month. <laughs> you missed that.
1: Oh, Hello Petals.
0: Yes, thank you. So it's not, well, yeah, I mean, now it comes out. Fraser will explain how often it comes out. Okay. I'm trying not to preempt the interview too much. Uh, so this is interesting because uh, it announces Diz Minute's departure from the band and Pete's arrival. Oh. um in May '82. Oh, it says on the home front. Diz left the band in March. His replacement on bass is a local lad, Peter Ravis, twenty-three. <laughs> oh, He used to be with the Metros. His favourite bands include Steely Dan and Haircut One Hundred. <laughs> <Never laughs> you're looking. I know you haven't. Yeah, they Haircut One Hundred were um, very much a pop band. Very pop. Um, Nick Hayward was the singer. Uh, although he says his influences, I don't know whether he's been told to say this, but his influences also include um, Genesis uh, and uh, sorry Genesis and Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it also mentions the fact he can play the clarinet. Uh, so there's an interview which is transcribed from one that they did with Radio 4 on the Saliva Tears tour uh, with Fish uh, Pete. I think it's all of them actually. Fish Pete, Steve Mick, yeah, they're all they're all in there. Um, then there's a, there's the puzzle page, <laughs> which has got the, uh, got the crossword with questions such as, oh, two down, t-shirt character, three, three down, Rory the guitarist. Hmm. What is that?
1: And the, all the answers are Meridian bass. Yeah. What was the t-shirt character?
0: I don't, I don't know. Oh, Marcus, Square hero, T, I don't know. Two down. Hmm. Obviously, whatever was on a T-shirt at the time. Anyway, it's also got the lyrics to Three boats Down from the Candy. Um, Now, this is interesting. Uh, This is Friars Aylesbury, which was where they often played, the Friars Club. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Their poll results for 1981 to 82. For best local band, guess what was number one?
1: Brilliant.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. Um, most disappointing date which I'm assuming is the most disappointing gig the first was the Human League oh um oh Marillion was 17th as one of their most disappointing dates but they were only third on the bill oh and 15th was disappointing
1: oh, is the Friars Club still um, open
0: uh well it sort of came back a few years ago as a uh, not in the same venue in that we've, we've been to a Friars technically a Friars gig have um, we yeah yeah, that big Aylesbury...
1: Oh, the huge... Hall.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Suffice
0: to say, it wasn't, um, you yeah, uh, know, like that back then. Mm. So, uh, who do you reckon the best support band were? Marillion. Yep. Uh, best Friars band of all time, Marillion came 18th.
1: 18th? That's yeah. ridiculous. I know, but
0: they were new, and you've got to bear in Who's mind... Who's first? Stiff Little Fingers. Second with a jam, third, U2, fourth, The Clash, fifth... Genesis. So they've had, they got some letters. They didn't print them. They just paraphrase them, <laughs> 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 which is interesting. I always remember. That's great. I'm sorry if he's listening to this, but my friend Sebastian, yeah. he used to be a member of the IQ fan club. Right. An IQ pog band, if you don't know, uh, had a mascot called Kevin the Donkey, uh, and <laughs> uh, and. Seb sent a picture of Kevin the drawing of Kevin the donkey in. Right. Uh, and they didn't print it, but they just wrote, and, but, oh, and thanks to Sebastian. Oh, no, thanks to S. Towels. They, like, they got oh, his they name got wrong. they got his name
1: wrong as so, well. So, not,
0: because his surname's Fowles. So, <laughs> S. Towels, which is an unfortunate abbreviation. Thank you to S. Towels for the drawing.
1: <laughs> why is it, why is it an unfortunate? I'm
0: sure our listeners can. Can you think of anything else that, uh, it's a type of towel that begins with S. No. We'll move on from the S towels.
1: Oh, I got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> at least at least they thanked him. When I sent in a drawing to Fish's fan club...
1: You sent in a draw. You have kept this quiet. Yeah. You have kept this very quiet. I found
0: a cutting, right? His guitarist was called Frank Usher. Yeah. I found a cutting of um a fashion label called Frank Usher. Right. So I draw, drew it drew it sent him a picture of fish wearing some strange clothes and a speech bubble saying that's the last time I let Frank design the stage clothes. Just ignored it. It's rude.
1: Oh maybe they didn't understand the joke. yeah They might not have that brand up in Scotland. Well, I sent
0: the cutting. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I also probably didn't like the fact that I drew him in uh people nipples
1: okay yeah that wouldn't have helped
0: so starting in this issue excitingly uh is is Marillion biog section is what it's
1: called
0: yeah getting Uh, personal with the
1: band first
0: one appropriately mick pointer um so he lists what he plays his age 25 he was he was a lot older than the others well older than the others though
1: Oh, people's 23 so yeah. not that much older
0: lists where he lives list his hobbies Ooh, which I include dress. photography and sex <laughs> <laughs> musical training he says he's entirely self-taught on drums and he has classical training for flute I bet he does uh, his musical influences were Rush Yes and S- Simon Phillips Bill Bruford and John Bonham previous bands Stockade Electric Gypsy and Seal Merillion doesn't count Mick Favourite bands, Russian Yes. Favourite rock tracks, 2112 and Close to the Edge. Favourite Meridian track, Chelsea Monday. Oh.
1: Do you know what? I, yes. I'm going to
0: confess something. You know, I called that a dirge when we did script for Justice to I listened to it the other day and I quite liked it. I enjoyed it. Wow. What changed? I don't know. I just enjoyed the atmosphere of it.
1: Oh. Ah, yeah. That's how about interesting. That? Maybe it just needs to be listened to away from the other songs on the album.
0: mm so, uh, mixed aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, he hopes for Meridian to be a vast success. Well, he got his wish.
1: Thanks. Just Mick.
0: without him. Anyway, and then, then there's a bit of news at the end. Hi, dudes. Fish phone. Who is this guy, anyway? And telling them they've got a headline at the Friars, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it just sort of updates. It lists the band's address. <laughs> like, no P.O. box here. Uh, and and well, phone their actual number. home address. Well, yeah, or whoever. Whoever was dealing with things at the time, 53 Quayton Road, Watterson, Bucks. Wow. Yeah, that was issue three. So in June, um, starts off with the news saying they got trifle burned at Glastonbury. Meridian Biog, this issue, Mark Kelly. Age 21. What a baby.
1: Oh, he was much younger than Mick Poynter.
0: Yeah. Hobbies. Don't say it. Electronics. Okay. Not watching TV. Oh, Mark. You're so alternative. Uh, making up non-existent hobbies to impress people. And well, discovering new positions. Oh, Mark.
1: Seating positions. Let's
0: hope it's seating
1: Yeah, I mean, it could positions. be anything.
0: Positions on stage, maybe. Yeah,
1: positions on stage. Mm-hmm.
0: Musical influences. Rick Wakeman, Keith Emerson, Peter Bardens, Don Airy, Tony Banks, previous bands, Splitgrass and Chemical Alice. Fave bands, yes, Genesis, Roy Harper, Van der Generator, Todd Rundgren, Jethro Tull. Fave rock tracks, Wind Up, Still Life, I Hate the White Man, Stagnation. I love Stagnation. It's a Genesis song, sorry. But it's, it's, oh, I love Stagnation. <laughs> um, fave Merillion tracks, Garden Party, and Chelsea Monday. Oh.
1: Ah. Well, you may be influenced by...
0: No, I hadn't read this when I listened to Chelsea Monday. Uh, lyrics this issue of the web, appropriately. Poll results for the favourite songs, because they asked in the previous issue. Three Boats Down for the Candy was number one.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Two Forgotten Sons. Three, Chelsea, Chelsea Monday. Monday.
1: <laughs> I had no idea that it was such a favourite.
0: Yeah. Uh, so then there's some live reviews. Lots of live reviews uh there's uh, a word search or something uh more reviews tour dates so issue five uh this is exciting because they're going to be playing the reading festival so there's a lot of talk about that lists the lyrics for grendel along with some lovely drawings oh
1: yes i want that printed out please <sighs> well i did
0: do you remember before this episode we recorded okay yeah
1: that that didn't yeah. quite work yeah
0: i tried to print all these out everyone they turned out Having printed out, you know, twenty pages or something, then I went to look and get them from the printer, and they were the, the pages were the size of a postage stamp, <laughs> so I'm having to read off of my laptop. More puzzles, um, some nice artwork for poster. This issue, the Meridian Bug is Rother's, age twenty
1: two. Was well, baby.
0: Yeah. Hobbies: photography, reading, sex. Uh, musical influences Jeff Beck Eddie Latimer Dave Gilmore Hackett Carlos Santana Previous bands Purple Haze and Pegasus Fave band Camel Kim Crimson Pink Floyd Genesis Yes favorite rock tracks Frame by Frame Echoes oh, Crazy On You By Heart Wow Favourite Marillion tracks He Knows You Know And Chelsea Monday Man. Seriously
1: <laughs> What is going on
0: His aspirations To be financially independent Oh, this is also really interesting because it also features a story by fish called the web untangled, uh, which is very, very Peter Gabriel. And I'm not going to read it, but uh, if any of you want to go to the website, you can read it yourself. There's also an interesting picture of a bearded man looking out of a window. (laughs) He looks a bit, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't look like he's, um the protagonist of the web. Also, he's got one eye higher than the other, but that's by the by. And there's also a sad jester sitting on a rock. Uh, some tour dates. Blah-de-blah. Oh, the gig history. Um, thanks at the end. Then we have issue six, which was uh, October 82. They came out very regularly. Some more paraphrased letters, I think. Um, oh, no, no. Oh, this is interesting. It took him a while to get around to this but this letter here doesn't say who it's from I don't think um, but anyway the PS is how about an acoustic number <laughs> it took him years to do an acoustic
1: oh really
0: tour and, and stuff yeah also this letter says uh, he thought Steve Rothery looks like Oliver Reed okay that's interesting oh, god there's some dodgy stuff in there I'm not reading that out lyrics Market Square Heroes uh, we just got a picture of the Aylesbury Duck um, two A dates the story of Meridian's first single now that they've signed with EMI more puzzles Biog. this issue fish oh yeah
1: well, I don't want to know his hobby but I kind of do
0: yeah I'm going to read it uh, age 24 hobbies oh god existing comfortably what yeah <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that <laughs> And BDSM. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just existing comfortably. <sighs> Previous bands, not quite Red Fox, blew It and Stone Wait, Gown hang on. Bands. That was
1: the only hobby? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You didn't see that coming, yeah. No, I didn't.
0: So, it's, uh, it's, so far, it's Mark, Mick and Steve. Yeah, all the, the others. Uh, dirty Rutters in the band. Uh, although I think history suggests otherwise. Fish's influences as a vocalist were Peter Hamill, Peter Gabriel. Well, they really weren't hiding it. Paul McCartney and Jim Morrison. Favourite bands: Van de Graaff Generator, Genesis, Duh, and The Doors. Doesn't really... Okay, I'm surprised at The Doors stuff. Favourite rock albums, Peter Hamill, Over, Random Hold, The View From Here. Never even heard of that. Gabriel 3, Teardock Explodes, Kilimanjaro. Favourite rock tracks, Genesis' Stagnation Again. Ah! And also Peter Gabriel's Wallflower. Favourite Meridian tracks?
1: Chelsea Monday.
0: No, The Web. And the very next one we do, whatever it is, LOL. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't write LOL. <laughs> Aspirations. This is the Ooh, one that slightly yeah, bra- slightly breaks my heart.
1: Let's. Oh, no, really?
0: Uh, to write a critically acclaimed book. Oh. Oh, which he's still banging on about. Is he? Yeah. And he says also to be acclaimed as a vocalist in my own right. So as as opposed to a Gabriel copyist. Aww. So uh, the last one we're going to look at, uh, issue seven, December. Uh, weird, this this issue starts featuring a series of comic strips featuring some weird little monsters called the Fuds. <laughs> I'm not even joking. <laughs> so it starts as a, some sort of, one of the Fuds says, is staring off panel and says, I told you it wouldn't work. Uh, And then another frud with a Santa hat on is stuck in a chimney. And the other frud is saying the real Santa doesn't get stuck in chimneys. Hmm. (laughs) Yep. Uh, I thought
1: thought they'd be Meridian
0: based. No, no, there's another one in this issue as well. One of the Frud's has a Balkman on and he says, I think these mini headphones are a great idea, but Mm. Cedric doesn't agree. And then you cut to Cedric who's uh, eating them. And he says he thinks they taste horrible. Ah. Should have done a comic strip about Grendel or something.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yes, I would like someone to do a comic strip about a comic strip about Grendel. Yeah.
0: So About any amount of time. <laughs> it's only been four years. The biog this issue, Pete, age twenty-four. Hobbies? Watching. <sighs> Hobbies. <laughs> That's I just took me by surprise. <laughs> A little bit taken aback by Pete's first hobby.
1: I hope it's something clean.
0: Watching Emmerdale Farm. Second hobby, walking along country lanes, buying Christmas presents,
1: Aww. and eating. Oh, I thought you were going to say sex at the <laughs> <laughs> end.
0: hasn't got time for that. He's too busy watching Emmerdale Farm.
1: Oh, that's sweet.
0: Yeah, bless
1: him. He's lovely. Uh,
0: so he this is musical training as the most musical member of the band. Musical influences, The Beatles, Alice... Cooper, Capability Brown, yes, and Genesis. They're like, just put it in, put it in, put it in, Pete. Just put it in. <laughs>
1: you have to um, say Genesis or you're out.
0: Yeah. Previous bands, Orthy Redwood, Cameras and the Metros. Fave bands, Jethro Tull, Hall and Oates. Hall, Hall and Oates? <laughs> Jethro Tull, Hall and Oates, Todd Rungan and the Alan Parsons Project. Fave Rock Tracks, Electrified Fairy Tale by the Glass Guitar. No idea. Yours is No Disgrace. Battle of Epping Forest. Genesis track. put it in, Pete. Put it in. Um, the circumstances by Capability Brown. Fave Marillion tracks, Pete. Do you want to guess? Chelsea Monday. No. Grendel. No. Marcus Square Heroes. No. Well, wow. He I'm knows. Just, <laughs> <not really looking laughs> he knows it. you know. And Forgotten Sons. Ah,
1: huh, interesting.
0: Interesting, isn't it? Well,
1: it was, um, the other day we saw a video with him interviewed, and he was asked his favourite tracks, and I think he said Invisible Man and. What was the other one he said?
0: I can't remember.
1: But I agreed with him on both.
0: Oh, you like, agreed yeah, that they're... they are his favourite. No, I I, <laughs> I agree with you, Pete, they are I yours. I thought
1: I agree that they're really good tracks.
0: Good. So, let's let's go over to the phones <laughs> and see who's calling us this week. It's Fraser Marshall, the third member of the BAM Pod podcast, uh, as we jokingly call him, because we're always talking about his website. Um, yes. Which we will be talking about with Fraser. So we'll come back at the end um, to do a little bit of diary. No, that's Corona diary. <laughs> 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 Sadie's giving me death stare. It's always no. A... It's
1: it's not a death stare. It's a confused look.
0: There's always the bit in the Corona Diaries podcast. Yeah, rare. where
1: H reads his diary. Yeah, I know.
0: I might read my own version of H's diary one week. do it it this week no no time no time (laughs) so uh, here's me talking to Fraser Hello,
2: hello. How are you?
0: I'm very well, uh, considering. Now, you and I have we we've, we've sort of known each other in a very kind of casual, slightly distanced way for for many years. We've we've kind of, sort of circled around each other a bit, yeah. But I don't think we've we've never sat down and kind of had a, a conversation, really.
2: We uh, that's not entirely that's not entirely true. We were at Simon's fortieth, uh, our mutual friend Simon. Uh, in-
0: I did wonder if you were going to bring up the meal.
2: Yeah. So we we were at a meal for a friend's yeah. 40th in, in uh, uh, where was it? can't remember. It was in Dublin. Dublin. It was Dublin. I was, I was thinking it was. On
0: yeah. There. Well, that was the night that I embarrassed myself with a flaming Sambuca.
2: <laughs> <if you>
0: <laughs> <laughs> remember that. Um, yeah. Which, which will live in infamy, uh, where contrary to... Legend, I didn't try to drink the flaming sambuca while it was still alive. <laughs> I tried to drink it after I'd blown the flame out, and unfortunately, the glass was still hot. And um, cue me swearing very loudly in a crowded restaurant and throwing the sambuka all across the table, which I think you were sat opposite me at the time.
2: I believe I was. <laughs>
0: uh, <but> I apologize. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Not it my,
2: was good comedy.
0: Not my fault in this moment. So, anyway, um, So, yeah, as our inaugural guest, welcome to Be Pod. Um, So I suppose let's start at the beginning. Um, How did you become a Marillion fan? What was your first experience of the band?
2: Ah, Well, so I guess my first actual experience of Marillion was Misplaced Childhood Era, and it was seeing the videos on top of the pops, along with, you know, countless other people. Uh, so it would it would have been kaylee um and i was massively into dire straits uh i like genesis simple minds big country lots of stuff like that um and uh yeah i mean I, I was i was aware of it and it was one of those songs that i i really just took a dislike to the video i'm afraid um, oh, wow. It was. It was. Uh, I. It was. I think it was the trench coat. It kind of looked all a bit seedy, and I didn't really. Anyway, so I didn't. I didn't <laughs> really go for it. Um, so you know, knew about them. Um, lavender, I thought was was I preferred, um, and, and everything. But yeah, wasn't wasn't a massive fan. And then one night, uh, it was a Saturday night, and we went round to my friend Jim's house, and there was about. I don't know, probably six or seven of us. And we were probably playing war games and being, you know, really tragic in that sort of way. Um, and I remember this album being put on. And I actually write about this on the, uh, the, my um, website. So uh, it, it sort of talked about on there a little bit as well. Um, and just hearing the opening chords of, you know, Clutching at Straw's album uh, and just going, oh, 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 hello. What, what's this? And, you know, I was quite drunk at the time, not not completely paralytic or anything like that, but I was in exactly the right sort of frame of mind to really get into the music and go, this is something, this is just... So basically went from pretty much hearing that on the Saturday to the following weekend going down to my local record shop, um, Fives in Leon C. in Essex, and... Um, and going right, I want this and I want this and i I think I spent probably birthday money or something like that and I ended up with uh clutching and script and I think uh I think a single or two um and very very quickly I'd amassed a large collection from that so i I, I, I went I was quite late to the party um and then really, really ramped up very, very fast to, to the intense irritation of everybody who had to listen to me going on about them the whole time.
0: Yeah, once you've been converted, I think there is that. <laughs> I certainly had it. It was yeah. Wherever I worked, you know, and at school, I was I was the Marillion yeah. guy. That yeah. was that was my thing.
2: There, there's nothing in life that you can't bring around to Marillion if you try hard enough. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, yeah. As we've discovered with this podcast, it's like we can find the most tangential things that will, you know. <laughs> oh man, alive! So that's. I guess I'm sort of slightly surprised that you you came to it so late, given that you're now sort of so much on the inside. I guess um, I don't know why. I should assume that you perhaps. You yeah. know, I've been there from sort of 83 and Marcus Queer Heroes and all the rest I of mean,
2: it. I mean, I really, uh, yeah, I wasn't sort of, I wasn't that big a music fan in 83. I mean, I watched Top of the Pops and things like that, but I mean, I wasn't buying music. My first album that I ever bought with my own money was the Ghostbusters official soundtrack, which sort of tells you everything you need to know, I think.
0: Wow. <laughs> Wow. Well, mine was uh, "Do You Want to Be a Winner" by Brown Source. Wow. If you remember that? Wow. Noel Edmonds, Keith Chegwin, and Maggie Field. That was the first single. I, I I won. Won. My first album was Adam and the Ants. So okay. that's I
2: know in my school, you were either in the Adam and the Ants camp or you were in the Shaking Stevens camp. And in my one act of being called, I was in the Adam and the Ants um, well camp there. But my my, my father was uh my father was a journalist and Fleet Street, and occasionally would snaffle review copies. So you've talked about things like this with, with with your previous work experience. So very similar to that. Occasionally, you know, something would come home from, with my dad from the office. Um, he brought home Queen's Greatest Hits, uh, Jeff Wayne's musical version of War of the Worlds, and Status Quo's 12 Gold Bars, Volumes 1 and 2. And those, nice. those three records... You can probably pretty much blame for my, the, not, not because my taste in music these days is much, much wider, but, but, you know, certainly the core of my music taste from the age of about 15 onwards, you know, you can look at, at War of the Worlds and go, there's the prog side of it, if you like, and obviously Queen's got a lot of prog in it and the hard rock side of it. So yeah, that was sort of where I was, I was centered. But yeah, I was quite late to the party, definitely.
0: Yeah. Well those I mean those three albums I, c- I can certainly draw a line between those and Marillion. I can see the 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 commonalities there. So what what then led to you just being well what'd been a uh, someone who actually didn't didn't like the kaylee video mm. to then becoming an absolutely rabid fan to then somehow ending up as as part of the fan club. Well, I said not as a member but as a actually were you a member before you started to work
2: for it I was not I think I was well I was very briefly but not really um and the reason for that was that um throughout university my uh flatmates were my best friends and um my friend Susie was a member um so I'd read all the public you know I didn't particularly see the need to you know get an additional um copy of the magazine at that po- at that point, which is weird, really, considering how obsessive I was about the, the, the collecting all the music and everything. But, you know, I had access to all the news stuff and everything. Um, yeah, and then I guess I was very sort of... I picked up on Freaks, the online mailing list, relatively early. I mean, by no means the start. But certainly, you know, in the mid-90s, I was on that and posting reasonably regularly. And then when the Opium Den mailing list started up... I was posting on that quite regularly. And I think the Opium Den, um, which at the time, I think the, the objective in setting up the the Opium Den when Dave Cooper did that was to try and provide a bit of a safe haven maybe for the H-era fans um, because it was still a bit catty at the time with, you know, over the split and things like that. And so what happened was that, that perhaps some of the people around the band were in that... Um, four and more. And so yeah, I, I just remember saying that I was going to go to the um the H natural um shows at Dingwalls, The Two Nights. Oh,
0: like, I was there.
2: Yeah. So that was when I really, really became sort of engaged. And I went there and I met Lucy and I met George who George Wisto who wrote um Ian's book with him. Um yeah. Yeah. you know, and a lot of people who are very close to the band. Uh, and these kinds of things. And I think I'd made a few noises that sort of indicated that, you know, I, I, I was the sort of person who was really quite nerdy and interested in this stuff. And hopefully in a not too tragic or at least, you know, uh, too too worrying way in, in, in the sense that occasionally, you know, I, I'm, I'm aware that um, there had been a- occasional issues with... Um, you know people trying to turn up on doorsteps and that kind of thing and certainly nobody I, I think ever got that kind of impression off me um which is nice you know I wasn't I wasn't yeah
0: um it's always nice to know that people
2: don't consider you a stalker yeah ab- absolutely <laughs> yeah I mean you know it's a bit of a baseline for being a decent person but but nevertheless yeah. it's still good to have achieved that in life I think um <laughs> And then I think it was just that some of the the sort of friends that I picked up through going to that gig and then staying in contact with online and meeting up with at gigs um, were already in the web. So Simon, that we've already mentioned, whose 40th birthday party we were at, he and his partner, Vicky were both in the web at that time. Dave Cooper was in the web, so I think it was probably just mutual um, recommendation to, to some degree. But I did know Lucy. Uh, I was um, I was invited to a party at Lucy's house. In fact, I, um, I when I was still a smoker, I, I, I burnt a hole in her carpet, and she was terribly, terribly nice about it. I didn't remember anything. Quite a nice. It was quite a nice rug, and I, I put this hole in it, and uh, you know, just through being far too drunk. Uh, so so, and even despite that, she um, she didn't uh, blackball me joining the web. So yeah, I joined the web. I think around about two thousand and two thousand and two, maybe something like that. Two thousand and maybe yeah.
0: Well, you're getting on for twenty years as part of the team. It's
2: then. it's quite a long time now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I I was trying to think how long I've been a member bit um because i i a bit like you i don't think in the in the 90s i think it was around the time Vanarak that i probably joined and i was certainly posting on freaks and yeah uh less so the opium den but i was certainly part of the freaks main yeah list, and i'd say obviously mark was quite active on there wasn't he and he'd, and he had
2: his moment he'd post quite
0: yeah. yes <laughs> well yes relatively active um but uh yeah so it must have been i must have joined sort of shortly i i definitely was a member around the time that anorak came out i'm sure that yeah. so that was a few years before you joined but um but yeah god wow 20 years so 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 how does it this is a big open question but mm. but how does it work what's the process of putting the magazine together every is it it's every three months isn't it
2: Broadly speaking, um, you know, it, the, the the reality is that, to, to to a large extent, we are dictated to by what's going on with the band. You know, if the band's does an album, goes out on tour in a particular year, then you've got, you know, some very clear, nice big things you can talk about um, and all the rest of it. You know, the, the the last year obviously is a bit more challenging because not very much has happened. So you're sort of going, well... Who can think of something that is genuinely interesting and worthwhile to say? Unfortunately, the couch convention came along, and so that gave us lots of material to write about. But but we do, you know, we are we are reactive in the sense that we we certainly always endeavour to do the the um, three. I think it's three a year we we say these days. Is it okay? But um, you know, they, they, they are something of a movable feast, depending on what else is is going around. Um, the other thing to say about the web magazine is. We are completely inconsistent with the number of pages that go in there. Um, it's not always 48 pages. It can be significantly larger if we, you know, come up with material that, that warrants it. So, you know, if you if you were to have um, fewer um, editions in a year, in actual fact, if you added the pages together, there's, it, it's entirely likely that you probably got more than you actually would have anticipated in three. Um It's
0: always exciting when (laughs) that when that envelope turns up, and it's like, yes, it's a new one because I never quite know when it's coming. It's not, yeah, yeah. I I don't think I get, yeah. You don't put out an email saying, oh, new, new one incoming in two weeks or something, and then, yeah, when you get one that's that's kind of double size or just that it's got that sort of extra thickness, it's like, yes,
2: yes, yes. yeah, yeah, Um, absolutely. So, I mean, in terms of the process, actually, the core people on the magazine, you've got Anne Bond who um, edits, um, who who sort of wears the managing editor's hat, I guess you would would say, and coordinates. You've got Francis Dunleavy, who uh, does all the design and layout side of it. Um, And then you've got Malcolm Harris over in Australia. Many people will know Malcolm because of his um, turns on the merch stalls at uh, Marillion Weekends. Um, And the very lovely Malcolm is our sub-editor. Um and then you get people like me. I normally write the introductions um and try and find something to interest interesting to say or, or whatever. Um, occasionally I've I've done things that I've thought, oh that didn't really come off, but but most of the time I think I managed to write something quite useful. <laughs> <clears throat> um I had a lot in the I in the last edition because it had the marathon stuff in there and that was mm-hmm. a big interview that I did with Mark um so it's it's a real mixture, obviously these days it's all online. It used to be done through um when I first joined, and I think for some time before that it had all been run through yahoo groups so a bit like the opium den was um well exactly the same process as the opium den was as a mailing list, and we were all on that nowadays it's all done on facebook um you know it's just changes in technology but it it does. I think probably Facebook is a slightly easier technology in many ways. You can present things to people much more quickly. A lot of it is, okay, we need to put an issue out. Who's got what? What do you want to throw in? Lucy and Stephanie are on the, uh, on that group, so they will go, well, look, there's going to be this, or shh, I can't tell you about this, but uh, or sorry, you can't tell anyone about this, but this is going to happen at a particular point in the year, so you might want to hold that back oh, go and speak to Rothers, he's doing something interesting that would be worthy of an interview. So we get an awful lot of direction, um, you know, from from Marillion HQ, from Lucy and from Stephanie. Um, And above that and beyond that, um, the thing that I like to do, and and I I hope it's something that other people have found interesting over the years, trying to find stories that have got a bit of a twist on on it because essentially what a band does is it records music and it goes out and it plays it live and there's a there there is something of a limit to you know what you say about it i mean it's like um if you listen to um the band talk about how they write music well that hasn't changed in you know a million years it's it's the same process and that there's there's only so much you can say about these things and and, and try and make it slightly interesting or sexy, um, so I try to find stories that are maybe a bit bit outside the norm. Um, I've I've done stories about people who've been inspired by Marillion to do something else. I did I found Josie Ayres, who'd appeared in the jo- in, in the Brave movie, uh, and I did an interview with her, which was quite strange. Have you ever? Um, go back and find that one. She was um, somebody who'd had a lot of hardship in her life. Oh, um,
0: hey, really? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't remember that. I don't remember oh, well,
2: her. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can dig it out and I'll send you a copy. But, um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be really interested she, she, in that. she, Yeah, she'd had a very difficult life and uh, sort of almost sort of encapsulated the themes of Brave in a way. Uh, oh, wow. So that was kind of weird, sort of you know finding this. Oh, you know, I just thought it was going to be oh, what were your memories of lying down in? In um, it wasn't Trafalgar Square that she and H lie lay down in um, with the pigeons and and pretended to be homeless. I can't remember where it was. It was it was it was Leicester Square or somewhere like that. Anyway. Um, and, um, you know, I was just expecting it to be a sort of, oh, yes, it was fine. Oh, they were really nice. Oh, I had to do this. How did you get into character? Oh, well, I had to make myself feel sad. And actually, she was drawing on, you know, some pretty dark things from her own life. So hopefully things like that are interesting. I did Robert, the chap who cycled to Port Zealand last year, uh, last last time um, to yeah, raise money for charity. Yeah. You know, it's about trying to... For me, I, one of the things that I like to do to... All of those things that I mentioned—the tours, the albums—obviously, that is the core of what you do, and you have to try and do that really well. But but it's trying to find things that you can add on to that that that, that just really, you know, will will be interesting to people.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's as much as the the interviews with the band and the, the live reviews. I love those stories that you, you manage to find. Um, that they it sort of shows. You know, that that Meridian is so diverse and broad, this, this community that we've got and the people that, that you know, are willing to tell their stories. I love it. It's – it's yeah, if I haven't said already, which I probably would have done in the intro to this episode, yeah, I absolutely love the web, which is why I wanted to do an episode on it, really, was because it, it's – yeah, even though I, I perhaps came to join it being a member quite late, I – I'd always heard about it as a Merillium fan. It was always this slightly mythical thing, the web fan club, you know? Yeah. And, um, so is it, I mean, we, I mean, I'm guessing you were aware beforehand, but it was, is there a risk? And this was something that I learned years ago. I wrote an episode of EastEnders. Yeah. And I, I was a huge EastEnders, rightly or wrongly, yep. prior to okay. that point. And I wrote this episode of EastEnders, you know, I went to visit Albert Square and... I, you know, met various cast members and, and I had a horrible experience and I haven't watched EastEnders to this day. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose my, you know, were I kind of in your position mm-hmm. and someone had kind of said to me, oh, you know, would you like to be involved in the web? I guess part of me would be concerned that it it would spoil it or there is a risk yeah. of it spoiling sure. it for me if something something happened. Yeah, I mean,
2: I think I think I think that's that's true to an extent. I mean, for me, I I know um, Ian reasonably well. You know, well, I know Ian a bit through through Lucy. Um, um, The other guys, you know, look, they, they are really nice when you talk to them. They're very giving when you do interviews and all the rest of it. And you know, we can have a chat and everything like that but I am under no illusions. These are not my friends, you know, yeah. and and there is a distance there. Now, if you talk to some of the other people who who were in the web, they might say that their experience is different. Um, somebody like Andy Rotherham, who's no longer a member of the web, but now um, does a lot of the uh, guitar uh, stuff for Racket. Um, Andy's relationship with the band was very different because Andy lived locally and he used to pop in and out the whole time. So there was a genuine sort of... You know, relationship in 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 a different way. So I think it does depend on who you are, um, and and that kind of thing. You do definitely get to see things. You know, there there is an element of if you're lucky enough to, to, it's it's going to sound really awful to say this because a lot of people go, "Oh, I'd love to hear the albums early," but actually, sometimes if you've heard an album before everyone else. By the time it gets to the actual release date, you go, "I've had that for six weeks six weeks, I've played it to death um you know, so you're not in on the same timeline as everybody else so there are things that 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 you know for better or worse clearly, you might, uh, you might be party to conversations that, that you know, wouldn't be shared with the rest of the world. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Marillion is a business and there are certain things they do because they are business decisions. And I, it shouldn't really be surprising to anybody to hear that. Mm. But if you've sort of got this entirely romantic notion of, of how it works then you know perhaps you would be surprised to go actually you know some of it's just about you know administration <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah
0: well yeah it's, it's, uh, <laughs> i mean i suppose i suppose for my with me there's there's obviously that that side of my brain that kind of goes i know it's like that of course it has to be like that you know they they're trying to keep as you say business running and yet there's this other part of me that does slightly want to romanticize it and kind of keep it like that you know and not not know too much and it was uh, there's a sort of balance there because particularly uh, part of the reason I think I joined the web eventually you know why what what pushed me there was because certainly during the 90s they were getting less press coverage yeah, yeah. and so i wasn't you know i didn't feel i had the access to the mm-hmm. band that perhaps i had during the 80s and, and even the early 90s yeah. and so and and yet um, i like that there's there's just the web now and and there that tends to be how i get my insight into marillion and you know although i mean in recent years you know i i mean h is doing doing his podcast yep. now and you know he's it, 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 it very different to how i expected, which is which is weird not not in a disappointing way yep. i mean it has humanized him what i'm saying is i, I kind of like that there isn't too much out there right. um yeah that they're not one of these best that are kind of you know i know pete's on instagram and the like yep. they're not they're not Taylor Swift or Britney Spears yeah, or, you no. know, where, where every part of them is, is sort of on show. And it's it's really, you know, given Meridian's position, I mean, all right, they get featured in Prog Magazine.
2: Yeah.
0: But you guys, what I'm trying to say is you guys have, have provided a sort of really vital service to the fans, Um, you know, because... Cause, yeah, we haven't had the coverage that other bands yeah. get.
2: No, well, that that's really good. And, you know, I know that everybody in the team would be really thrilled by that, you know. Um, and it, it's probably sort of worth... When you think about what a fan club does, it's changed so enormously over the last few years. So in some ways, I kind of think that the last 20 years have, have been... I think it was arguably more vital... Um, pre-2000, when the internet was still in its relative infancy. Um, and, you know, if you go back to 1981, when Tim Hollings and, and Steph Jeffries started off doing the web, they literally were, the, you know, it was, it was hard copy in an envelope, mailed out to people, you know, then later on you've got a telephone line, and I think you've talked about this on the podcast, you know, that you could phone up and, and do these things. But in those days... That really was something that, that just wasn't out there at all. And so you were getting an extra level of 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 information. And you I again you've definitely mentioned this, you know, it was that thing of, oh, that's when the tour dates are, and things. Well, now in the internet or, or in the social media age, that that's not a thing for us. So we no longer have that cachet or that sort of usp of being the first out with the news it comes out everybody has it at the same time and we actually by the nature of a print publication are often lagging considerably so i think there's been a real sort of sea change in you know what was happening um you know i i don't know how familiar you are with the sort of the the the, the history of the web and i'm not going to pretend to be um encyclopedic on it but but if you look at it it got it started off with 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 Tim and Steph doing it. And then there was um, somebody called Angie. Um,
0: yeah, well, you see, see, that was one of the, the kind of slightly legendary names that floated around. I was somehow, even though I hadn't yeah. been a member of the web in the 80s, I somehow knew about Angie, whoever she okay. was to me. You know, I didn't know,
2: but I, I knew the name. Well, so Angie was somebody, but she was also Anne Lawler, who was John Arneson's assistant. Oh, and she right. was also somebody called Patsy Smith, and I don't know anything about those I, uh, those people. I'm afraid I can't tell you anything about them. And Lawler, you used to she was mentioned on sleeve notes and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah,
0: I know, I recognise
2: that yeah. name. Um, Patsy Smith, I don't know anything about. Then 88 to 94, you had Bernie, but that was actually Joe Rothery for a substantial portion of it, five years. <laughs> right. Um, wow. Then in in about 94, you you get um, Bonnie and Wayne and Lucy came in at that stage and Andy Rotherham and then throughout the 90s, Andy, Rob and Alexis Crossland, Simon and Vicky, Lynn and Pete Wells, Pete's still in the team, Dave Cooper. So there's, there's been a lot of people through, but I think the key point in some regards is firstly about 94 when the band sort of took direct control of the web. So it was no longer EMI Sort of, you know, we own the data, we own the mailing list. It was it was brought in house, and so that sort of changed the relationship. And if you actually look at the magazines, you see the jump in quality um, yeah. at that point, particularly when Rob uh, and Alexis um, were doing things. And that was, I think, that was a real key feature of it that they were able to do the in depth stuff. But at that time, they also didn't have to contend with social media. So I think the value of the web at that point was probably through the roof. I mean, it really was the most terrific thing. Um, And what we've tried to do is is go into depth, because that's the thing that we can offer that maybe can't be done in any other way. So Mm. um, I I was actually responsible for the change from the, the, um, oh, I can never remember the paper sizes, but the the, the sort of booklet-sized, web magazine yeah, went yeah. to the a4 um I, I was certainly very um instrumental in pushing for that i mean I, I think it was a supported decision otherwise it wouldn't have happened um and i did design the first one that came out um and but it was <laughs> not being a not being a designer it was really a great cover image which i'd seen and gone that has to be splashed around the cover and it was h jumping in yeah. the air it was a brilliant nice. it was a brilliant image really really good um and we
0: oh well well. Oh, god i didn't know that was your your, oh, your doing because i yeah i remember briefly. those the little digest sort of sort of you know, yeah A five size yes. is that how big yes. they were i don't know They're, they were um but yeah and now it's it's kind of proper glossy we went,
2: we went big yeah. and actually you know Probably quite rightly. I'm prepared to just about concede at this distance. Um, it was rightly taken off me. Jim Sanders came in, who was a professional graphics designer and did a phenomenal job, and now Francis carries on. Um, so we've got you know people who really, really know what they're doing, who are... You know, absolutely um, excellent in their fields, and so the design element of the magazine is is, is phenomenal. And um, that's not to say that it wasn't phenomenal before that, but but you know, we've made a real thing about let's have big pictures that that people can can get real value out of, uh, printed on really good quality paper. Let's have interviews that go into much more depth than anything you're going to find anything else anywhere else um you know and let's try and do some some slightly quirky weird stuff that maybe isn't going to appear in you know prog magazine or 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 their online versions
0: that's something i've noticed as well with some of the the interviews in there it feels they feel more kind of relaxed with the band um i don't know if that's right or if that's just my perception but yeah as opposed to first ones you might read in magazines, yeah. so I don't know whether that's just because they know you guys, and I,
2: I think that's a big. You know. I think that's a big part yeah. of it. Um, particularly, you know, if you look at the other webs around the world, um, they are they are all operating at arm's length, and we have a direct line into the band um, through Lucy. So we are much much more closely tied. It's actually Racket that holds the members database, not. You know, it's not any of us. So we we don't. You know, we have to sort of go to the to to, to Lucy and say we'd like to do this. Can we do that? Um, you know, and th- th- there's much more of, of a close relationship. So in that that sort of in the way that that is, arguably that that means that that perhaps we're not quite as at the same liberty to do whatever we want that some of the other web magazines might be able to print. It also pays off in the other direction because we have that level of access to to the band which geographical closeness and that relationship with Lucy um, allows us to have. And I think, yeah, look, they, they, they've been around us for a long time. They know that we're not going to stitch them up. Um, they know that, um, you know, they, 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 it's, it's, yeah, I think it probably is quite relaxed in that way. I mean, you know, you, you, you've read interviews with H over the years um, I can't remember who it was who did the one, but there was there, there was one I remember reading where there was somebody who was going out of their way to goad him about fish and deliberately be antagonistic. Um, and you think, well, that can be no fun for anybody. And yeah, yeah. generally, I think they come out of our... I, I mean, you know, I suppose if you've done a thousand interviews on the same subject, they're all going to grind into into a big sort of morass of... You know the same questions over and over again, but but you know I generally would say that um, my feeling is that people come away going, oh yeah, that was that was you know that was vaguely entertaining. I didn't I didn't mind doing that, and you know I felt I imparted something, you know, interesting and and, and worthwhile.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I always learn something from the interviews, and I can't always say that from every magazine interview I read with the band because, as you say, it's always the same old yeah. questions. Yeah about the same topic. So, so, so can I ask, <laughs> I, I don't know if you're allowed to disclose this, how many members do you have around the world?
2: Oh gosh, uh, well I, the answer to that is I don't know what the numbers are um, because, I, because we don't hold the database. So I suppose the answer to that is when we are doing a magazine stuff, which is um, we pitch up at Racket and um, we stick the magazines in, in envelopes and then send them out, You know, in theory, we could we could go well. There is X many stickers per page, and we've got X many pages of stickers. Therefore, there are, you know, whatever the number of members is. Um, I I honestly don't know um, how many subscribers we've got at the moment. Uh, It's it's held. I do know it's held pretty steady over the last sort of ten fifteen years. There always tends to be a bit of a flutter of, you know, when a new album's coming out, people suddenly go, oh oh, I better I I want to resubscribe. but 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 it's been it's been pretty good, um, you know. I think it's it's, it's a reasonable number. But I, I'm I'm not going to put my neck on the line and say what it is, Paul. <laughs> Fine.
0: <laughs> um, so are you all again? You don't have to answer yeah. this either. Uh, you guys all all um, uh, volunteers. I'm assuming. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Um, so, well, again, I, I mean, I don't necessarily know, but I, uh, you know, somebody like Francis has uh, has done design work for the band that is outside of the web, and I, I assume he gets paid for that. I don't know. I haven't a clue. Um, you'd have to ask him. Um, but yeah, we we are all volunteers, and I think it's this is the other thing that's really important to say because we very much concentrated on the magazine, but actually, you know, you've got a lot of people. Um, um, the, um, the, 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 um, the Bonds, um, Alan, Sheila and Lucy, um, uh, who else? Oh gosh, I'm going to miss somebody now and that's going to be really embarrassing. Oh, um,
0: never start naming I know, it's, it's, really, it's a, it's
2: really a, it's a my apologies to anybody who I've forgotten. Um, um, but, but Anne and Stuart Bond and, 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 and the rest of them, they, there is a lot of stuff that is nothing to do with the magazine. So it's, it's you know, helping out on tour. It's, you know, and that can be anything from doing a bit of merch. It can be, would you mind running down the local cash and carry and getting, a, a you know, eight litres of sparkling water. I've done that once or twice in my time you know there there can be all re- all range of things andy Brotherham used to do a whole range of 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 tasks for the band many of which i'm sure he's legally not allowed to speak about um <laughs> yeah, you know but but there is an awful lot of that um as well and it is all volunteer we, we are very privileged in that um, you know we we're, we're able to get a bit of merch and you know we get pr- uh, f- free access to a lot of the the gigs so you know we we we're, we're very handsomely rewarded for our time. I I don't think anybody, any of us would have any um, uh, complaints there.
0: So do you you still have kind of the occasional pinch me kind of moment or has that worn off now?
2: Um, It's not as... I mean, I'll tell you, the first time I actually met any of the band was the Holidays in Eden launch party, um, which was... um, God, what's the name of the tiny club? The Borderline. Um, oh yeah, just near yeah. the Astoria. And um, and I met Ian uh, with my um, flatmates that I alluded to earlier, uh, who were in the web when when I wasn't. And Ian wasn't drumming on that. Uh, that I think if you listen to the B sides of um, Dry Land, there's a bit where H says something like, "If you see Ian Mosley, tell him to come and shake something." But we met him and he sat and sat in the pub and uh, and just chatted to him, which was quite amazing Um, and at the time I had this this coat and I painted the jester on the back of it and it had the he knows you know jester and um the garden party jester on it and it was it was this sort of, you know, very long duster style coat. It was quite gaudy. I'll, I'll find you a picture of that on my Facebook uh, Oh, boy, nice.
0: <laughs>
2: it's long gone, long gone now. Um and I had these pens that allowed you they were fabric pens that would allow you to write on. And Mark Kelly was walking down Tottenham Court Road, or um what's the other side of Tottenham Court Road? I don't mean that. What's the Astoria on?
0: Oh oh um Cross Road. Cross
2: Road, thank you. Um, Mark was walking down Charing Cross Road and I stopped him and said, would you mind terribly signing my, you know, my T-shirt or my jacket or whatever it was? Um, And I was shaking, physically shaking. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous, really, Um, you know, and he was perfectly nice and all the rest of it. Um you know and and so that's what I was like when I first met them, and now I'm definitely not like that <laughs> around them, which I think is good for everybody you know you don't want to turn into a blithering idiot um no it's it's i think I think it's the music really that that sort of that's where I get the chills from you know they're all incredibly nice people, they're very generous with their time when you do interviews and all that kind of stuff. But actually, they're not very starry people. They're quite down to earth. They're quite, you know, they're not all airs and graces or anything. I mean, you've seen them be interviewed enough times to know that they're not, you know, they're not divas. It
0: it comes across that they are just regular guys. Um, It it really doesn't, you know, I mean, I have, uh, I have sort of met them all briefly. Ian, you know, actually that, that. Birthday weekend for Simon in Dublin was the, yeah, so he is the one I probably spent most time chatting to. And yeah, just, just, you know, it's, it's, I'm trying to think. The only, the only time I ever got that kind of the the shaky nerves thing was when I met Fish. Right. Because I think I, you know, growing up, it was, you know, aside from the fact that he's sort of, you know, six and a half foot tall and is just big anyway, a big presence, I think he had that thing from when I was a kid that he was on a pedestal so um was the rest of the band because they didn't draw attention to themselves in quite the same way i don't think yes. i ever quite had that
2: yeah and, and you see i've never met fish so i don't know how i would be if i were to meet him um although you know i think he's probably a bit less starry than perhaps he was back in the day i was listening to an interview with him the other day when he was you know he was he was at great pains to emphasize how very down-to-earth he is these days, and I think I don't think he's making that up at all. I don't I think that's entirely correct.
0: That does come across on his Fish on Friday uh, yeah. broadcasts when you know he uh, he's not shy of I don't know coughing his guts up or scratching his groin as he <laughs> seems to do with alarming <laughs> regularity. It's like you're on a webcam, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, that, that, that's, um, that's
2: something guaranteed to um, you know wipe the stardust from your from your eyes, isn't it? <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um i just wanted to ask as well about the meridian weekend quizzes now because mm. the way you guys did some of those as well didn't you uh, uh,
2: yeah uh, well actually the, the the first one which was in the highwayman in um breen sands i think i wrote pr- most of that um, and I wasn't – so I wasn't in there. So that that was definitely just before I became a member of the Web UK, that. So whenever that was. That was 2000 uh, – so 2002, yeah. So I think it was maybe late in wow. 2002 that I joined. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what happens – what's happened for the last few years? So it started off and I did the first – Few, with a bit of help from other people, but I, I don't think I'm um, unreasonably un, un um, claiming credit here for something I didn't do, in saying they were they, they were mostly mine. Um, and then we got to uh, when the Keiki Boys um, won, they won I think three times or twice, something like that. And anyway, we said, look, this is ridiculous. You guys can't do this again. Um, give other, somebody else a chance. So they came and helped writing the quiz. Um, so what's now happened is then the Parrot Heads became the next sort of group that kept winning it. And we said to them, no, we can't have this. You know, give give other people right. a chance. So the par- there's, there's a team now that's made up of people who used to be in the Cakey Boys quiz team and the people who used to be in the Parrot's Head quiz team. And we all chuck in ideas. We have these enormous spreadsheets. And it's just trying to find the right level that that that's Mm. that's the the hope with it um i mean mark wrote something uh we did one for the couch convention and mark wrote something in the in the program afterwards um sort of saying that he felt it was a bit hard but i mean honestly we worked so hard to try and make it uh applicable to everybody at, at, at all levels um, you know, we, we really try and outthink ourselves on these things. It's tremendously difficult to try and go, how do we make it engaging to the people who are fans but not massively nerdy, and at the other end, give real competition to the mega nerds? You know, so ideally what you want is one, th- is about half that everybody can get, a th- another half, another quarter that, that that that, you know, the good people will get, and then another quarter on top of that that most people will sit there and go, do you know what? I don't mind not getting that because that's too tragic for words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, That's not us. (laughs) We'll get annoyed if we don't get the tragic ones. Um, But yeah, what was lovely, uh, particularly the last one actually was because I think I've said this on the podcast that, that there are two massive nerds on our team, me being one of them. And then, you know, and then there's everyone else who are usually the, the, you know, the, the beer jockeys, you know, go to the bar, get us a drink. Um, but last time, everyone got to answer something because I think what you did really cleverly was that there were questions in that although they were related to Marillion, they were actually about geography yes. or history or something like that. And I love that because... You could see everyone feel we've contributed, you know, we we justified being yeah. here, um, yeah, and we felt better that the two nerds because it was like okay, good, we're not just dominating now. Everyone had a chance. No,
2: so. I, 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 absolutely, great. and that's part of the, the the trick of it is to come up with rounds that that sort of allow other people to to be able to contribute and and just as I say, just take it away from being. These sort of these, these details, what's so incredibly ridiculous that that only two people in the world care about them, um, but but you know equally, it's a real challenge to do what 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 you might reasonably consider sort of actual general knowledge because there's a limit to how many questions you can ask about those things or how many times you can ask those questions. So I think that's why the sound round is good because, you know, anybody, anybody who's there has heard the music. So, you know, if you play it backwards and go, well, what's that you're listening to? That's, that's something that I think most people can, can enjoy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a real challenge and it will continue to be a challenge, I'm sure, but it's good fun. And when it works, it's, it's, it's very rewarding even for us putting it together.
0: Yeah, we love it. We love it. It's one of the highlights of the weekend for us without a doubt. Um, so, uh, moving on from the web it wouldn't be right having you as the third member of the ampod on the podcast
2: can i just say it's it, it, the first time you said that on the podcast and i was listening to it, having my uh, covid secure lunchtime walk and i nearly fell over in the street going what on earth are they talking about i've never contributed to this i don't know what <laughs> You know, and uh, and I I was incredibly flattered that uh, that you would say that. But I, just to make it very clear, until this moment, other than passing a few sort of snarky comments to Paul uh, over Facebook, I, I genuinely have had nothing to do with, with the podcast. Well, <laughs> you say that you have
0: because certainly in the fish days when we were the fish days, my God, <laughs> we go six months, the fish era when we were covering that, um, we did rely on. Uh, explanations of song elements. Your website, because uh, we wouldn't just sort of borrow liberally from it. If we did, we would always give you a, a yeah. credit. But it was always useful as a jumping-off point to kind of do a bit further, a bit of further research. Mm, um, thank you. So it was absolutely invaluable, and for Sanya as well, she would because she, you know, she would come, you know, come to the albums without any of that prior knowledge. I'd do a bit of research, but she would then afterwards go and read up. What you had on the website, and so it, it, you know, it, we're using it less and less because um, it seems to be. I think in the the H era, even though you know the songs of of uh, still covered, there are still kind of a few more gaps than there were in the Fish era. I think. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I
2: think. I mean, H's stuff tends to be more. Well, there's there's some interesting stuff. One thing I'm always convinced about with H is that there's probably a lot more poetry references in there than I've picked up on, um, and and things like that. But yeah, I w- I would agree. I mean, the fish stuff very, very much. There's some very um, sort of you know, there's a lot of references that you can pull out and 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 go. Well, this is this is a thing. So I mean, I don't. Is it worth, Paul, quickly just sort of saying what what the website is and what what it aims to do for anybody who doesn't know.
0: Yes, do, do the
2: pitch, Don't well, all me. So the pitch is, um, is that what what I've tried to do is... Somebody once pr- posted an explanation of Forgotten Sons on the opium den, and they, they'd analysed it, it and clearly spent an awful long time doing it. And this person was, um, I can't remember, French, Belgian, something like that, but English was not their first language. And because of that, they had just got some of the things wrong. And I thought, oh, you know... And then I was reading, um, there was a chap called Scott McMahon who did the Genesis discography, which you can still download in PDF form, but he had people explaining what some of the songs were. And if you go through something like um, Supper's Ready, there's all sorts of esoteric references in there. And I happen to live with uh, my friend Matt, who was I I mentioned earlier, one of my very oldest friends, um, who's into massively into all that kind of stuff and was going, oh, well, that reference in Supper's Ready is a reference to Zoroastrianism, and that's a reference to Gog and Magog. They're, they're this uh, ancient Sumerian dada, you know, and he'd go off into explaining what it was all about and all these references. And so I actually con- stole a few of those and contributed them to the Genesis discography and then went well i can do that for marillion they they're suitable to do the same thing so what it's trying to do is go there's something in the lyrics here that's a reference it's a ter- it's a phrase or saying or something that's peculiarly british or maybe wouldn't be apparent at first glance so it's not necessarily trying to explain what individual songs are about but it's trying to say you know this this is what the ref what the allusion is to when that that particular phrase is used or whatever it is um, and unfortunately I gave it this really terrible name. explanations of song elements and I really wish I hadn't but it's it's far too late to change it
0: <laughs> what would you call it if you could change the
2: name now do you know what I don't know I don't know um, I've uh, but but not that something something cooler but <laughs> <laughs> You know, it,
0: it does what it says on the tin.
2: It sort, of, it sort of does. But, yeah, it's. I mean, it does explain what some of the song's about because people have said, oh, this song is about X, Y, and Z. But I haven't – it's not my – I don't think it's my place to explain what songs are about, even if I think I know, which I often arrogantly believe I do. Possibly wrong. I've
0: noticed yeah, – well, I've noticed with the, the A tier of songs that there's more speculation yes. going on in the entries, yes. um, which is why I think – even though we do our, we, our own speculation, we we sort of don't want to borrow other people's quite yep. as much. Whereas I think it was more with the fish here, it would be this is what it is about. So I think we, uh, we used it a bit more for that. I mean, we still look at it every... You know, every every time before we're about to cover another app, <laughs> so we shall continue referring to you as the third member of the podcast.
2: Don't you worry? That's that's very kind of you, and uh, yeah, and no, I'm delighted to hear that it's 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 useful because that that's really the key thing. You know, it's it's yes, it's quite nerdy and all the rest of it, but you know, you just, I mean, I'm I I part of me, I did write about this actually. I did interview myself in some sort of really convoluted sort of way once for the web magazine. Um, to, to put something about it and uh, you know part of me would love to sit down with Steve Hogarth and go what did you actually mean by that what did you mean by that and actually interestingly he is doing a bit of that with uh, in in his podcast with uh Ant Short um but you know I mean I can imagine sitting down with Fish and him going that's nonsense that's rubbish you've got that wrong you know and that's fine it, that, 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 you know I'm not guaranteeing that these things are necessarily right I, I can't but um yeah
0: yeah. I mean, with H, I, you know, I think he's a phenomenal lyricist and he's yeah. just got better with time. But i I, fascinated by, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, pipe dream of mine as well, to just sit down and go, well, what is your process? Because, I, you know, I'm a writer myself, so, yeah. you know, I just, how do you write? How do you construct a song? How, Where do the phrases come from? All of that, I just, I, I'm fascinated by it which actually leads me into and this is there's one song which is kind of my holy grail and i don't think you even mention it um okay when you cover the album and it's kind of because he i I remember it's beyond you Uh and i don't think because i think it's omitted um on the afraid of sunlight entry and we're about to cover afraid of sunlight on the podcast so um what do you think it's about? Because <laughs> it, it I, I'll tell you why. Because it's a song. It's kind of mine and Sanya's. It's our song. Right. Um, we have our interpretation of it. We have our version of it. Um, I just, I just before we go into Afraid of sunlight, I was curious to know what your take on that song was.
2: Uh, I've, I've always interpreted it fairly literally. I think that that, that it is about. Um, uh, th- that particular relationship that that, that that you can't manage to get away from. It almost has this gravity and uh, I, I don't know. That's what it speaks to to me. I, I, I certainly had a relationship like that in my early 20s that went wrong and it sort of the, the the gravity of that relationship sort of stuck to me for so long that I wasn't able to get past it, and I, you know, all sorts of don't want to go into all all of that nonsense now, but um, you know, that that's that's kind of where it speaks to that 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 person that um, yeah just just uh, constantly creeps back in every time you think you're through it, and you think oh I've, I've, that's all right, that's behind me now, and it isn't. So I would say for me, it's always been a fairly literal interpretation.
0: see you say that you say that but that's 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 why i knew you were the man to talk to because my interpretation which we'll get on to when we probably do the next episode is very different um um and the reason why it's always fascinated me as a song is because i remember h saying at the time that he he would find it difficult to perform live without being kind of sort of a ball of tears on the floor um yeah, so, okay, well, that is interesting. Thank yeah. you. That, I think, but years.
2: looking at it, you know, I've got the lyrics up in front of me now, and, and there's just nothing in there that, that for the explanations, you know, the, 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 the words themselves, the individual lines aren't particularly complicated. It's about the feeling that it gets into, um, you know, and it, and it would, uh, you know, I don't think it's my, as I say, I don't think it's my place to sort of say, I think it's this, because no, I could be completely no. wrong, and for all I know, your interpretation, whatever it is, will be the right one.
0: I doubt
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, actually, I mean. but actually, that speaks to a really important point, which is, you know, there's so many of us who talk about, that. we use this phrase, the soundtrack to my to uh, to my life or whatever. Yeah. And that's true. That's absolutely true. But the point about that is that, that, that ultimately these things become that because you're able to hang your own experiences on them and say, I get that because this thing that happened to me, you know. And so it it's not ultimately important whether even what the what what the, the author meant it's what you get from it ultimately i think is it is, is really what matters
0: okay well i think that's probably we've done nearly an hour so uh yeah i'm sure you can go away and you've probably got better things to be doing than talk to me but um that was brilliant fraser thank you so much you're, you're very welcome um and do you want to do one last kind of pitch of the web tell people if they haven't already why they should go and subscribe and become a member um oh we haven't mentioned of course the dvd stroke cd which is as good a reason to be a member as as any uh
2: the 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 dvd slash cd the christmas bonus um has been something that's been extraordinarily popular over the years and um you know so most years since the i think about 97 there has been something um i can't you know that that's something that the band say yes we've got something um, so we have we don't have any input into that but it, it's certainly been something that's been very very um you know uh, valued by by members over the years we know that um, but yeah who knows what will happen in the future can't can't say on that front but I think with the web what you're what you're getting I think it's um, it it is this uh, the magazine that comes out roughly three times a year and gives you some really in-depth stuff that helps you understand you know why how the band ticks um, and and gives you an insight that you're not really going to get anywhere else um, and then beyond that actually you know what the web team do and and, and I would have to largely absent myself from any praise here um you know a lot of the team are doing stuff behind the scenes that you would never appreciate but if they didn't do it um you know everything would be so much harder gigs would be harder um the the, the weekends would be harder um so there's a lot of unsung stuff done by the web as well um not that that's necessarily something that's going to encourage you to join but uh, i think it's really important just to talk about the the other people involved in the web but you know we, there's, they're a phenomenal bunch of people, absolutely passionate about the band, and uh, you know, really, really want to do their best for everybody out there. Ultimately, we make a magazine that we want to read ourselves.
0: Thank you for listening, everybody. That was fun. And thank you to Fraser for giving us his time and being so erudite and, I was going to say exhausted, but that sounds like a passive-aggressive slide, which was, it was genuinely a great great chat. So uh, next week, we're back onto the albums. Afraid of Sunlight, if Sanya's ready. I'm ready. You've done your, your homework and your research. I have. Uh, so if you've got anything that you want to say about afraid of sunlight you can email us bampod at gmail.com as always give us a subscribe give us a review tell people about us that's the most important thing and we'll catch you next week for afraid of sunlight bye bye